Welcome to this episode of Our Quest. This is Dimple Mehta and today we would talk about how to present for an interview or a meeting. If you haven't already, please do subscribe to this show so that you don't have to miss out on any episode. I'm always grateful to you for taking out the time to listen to these podcasts and I hope this episode further contributes to your growth. If you like the episode, please give us a quick rating or review on Apple Podcasts. That helps the episode to organically reach more people who might find it useful and beneficial. Joining us today for this amazing discussion is an award-winning certified etiquette and image advisor and personal brand expert who holds a professional diploma in etiquette and protocol. Double master's holder, certified and licensed life coach, she is the pro about soft skills such as etiquette, effective communications, deportment and image and a lot more. Founder and director of the Elegance Advisor in Dubai, Taylor Elizabeth. Welcome to the show, Taylor. How do you feel about it? Thank you so much for having me. I'm very happy to be on your show. And I'm super excited for the number of things that I'm going to learn today. The listeners are going to learn today from you. Thank you very much. So before we dive into the questions, let's first hear your story. Please share your journey with us. Thank you. I, thank you so much. I love this question and I love it when I'm asked this question. So my story is I have a background in international public relations. I worked in five different continents, 22 different countries. And through that experience, I really felt that what connected people and really what mattered were the soft skills, were the, the things that maybe weren't said or observed or the you know kindness, generosity, et cetera, those kind of things. A lot of what is part of etiquette in the end. And so through my experience, this is something I really took away as a, a key point. And when I had my daughter, I realized I could not do this anymore because the travel was quite a bit and I really need to refocus. It was a reshift in my life. So I went back to school. I received my diploma in, uh, in international protocol and etiquette. And then I thought, what am I going to do? So I actually struggled for a little while on how am I going to present etiquette in a way that resonated also with me because my passion is you know, to empower people. And I wanted to make sure that my passion met the, pur- the purpose and there wasn't a disconnect. And I do feel often etiquette is presented in a way that seems elitist maybe, or that it's only for a certain group, or that it could alienate people because people feel that it is critical or that they feel that they cannot connect with it because they don't see it in the way that I wanted people to see it. And I would love people to see it, which is that it's a skill. So yes, it is. It's, it's a skill that empowers us to feel comfortable in any situation. And we don't have to have everything memorized you don't need to know every single little detail about what you're supposed to be doing, the, which fork is what fork, any of those things. Just be comfortable so that you feel most empowered in every situation. And I've always felt that etiquette, because I've always loved this topic, and I've always felt that these are skills that have helped me feel capable and confident in every situation. So I thought, how am I going to present that? So it took me a little while to think about how I want to present this to the world through my consultancy that I have here in Dubai. And I, it did come, I did come to that in 2019, I started the Elegance Advisor Consultancy, which is a consultancy that's based on etiquette, soft skills, effective communications, and personal branding. And I focus on empowering people through these different elements, these soft skills to be the best version of themselves, either personally or professionally. And so I started the consultancy, I started my Instagram page, which has quite a bit of following all around the world, which is a huge source of an, actually growth and empowerment for me, because it's it's incredibly to have that support from everyone and just to know that there are people out there that are on a similar journey towards self-improvement, because that's what it is, using these skills. And so that's that's pretty much my journey where around where how I arrived here and what I'm trying to do. So again, my my passion is really empowering people, and I use 
etiquette, soft skills, effective communications, and personal branding to, to do that. So now I'm just diving straight into the first question, Taylor. Normally, people prepare stats and data before an interview or meeting, research and prepare so much, but almost ignoring the softer skills about how they would present themselves. Does presentation matter for an interview or a meeting? Yes, oh, absolutely. So presentation definitely matters. This is, if not more than half of the part that you just mentioned, the pre preparation, the stats, the research, etc., because you are making a first impression and you make a first impression within the seven seconds of meeting someone. And although it would be wonderful if people didn't judge us for the way we looked or the way we carried ourselves and more for the quality of our character and who we are inside, it's hard for people to get past that. It's just, it's, an, it's normal human behavior. And so we know that. So you, you have to be very careful to make sure you make a good first impression when you do that. And in order to do that, you want to make sure that you present yourself well. So how you're looking, how you're speaking, what your body language is saying, et cetera, is all very important. And it should be equally focused on when you're preparing for an interview, just like the research that you're doing. Beautiful, beautifully said. Seven seconds is all that it takes. Yes. So all those hours seven. of research may be simply useless if the seven seconds are not impressive enough. Yeah, imagine, exactly. So imagine if you walk into an interview and you seem like disheveled, or if you seem like you don't have poise or you're not, you know, is that difficult to do? Absolutely, because we're stressed. But if you go in and you don't, you know, didn't dress quite right or maybe inappropriately for the office, maybe you didn't do that research before you went in to see what you should be wearing, or you're coming in and you seem flustered or you, your hair is, you know, quite askew or something is not quite right, automatically you're undermining your ability to put your best foot forward and all that data that you put together and all the presentation you have, they may not even hear you like they would have if they had seen a different person in front of them. Now, again, should we have this bias? No, it would be wonderful if we didn't, but we know that that does exist. So we should use that as that knowledge to empower us to make sure that we do put our best foot forward when we are in interviews or presenting. So example. true, so true. Just to understand this better, let's, let's first explore what would be a good presentation, what would be considered as a good presentation. Sure, so presentation is clearly our, our physical is our image, but it's also intention and our body language and all those other things. So the first thing, if you're for an interview or a meeting presentation, you want to be early or on time. So I understand depending on cultures and where we are based, that means different things. But I say it's a good rule is at minimum be on time. Yes. There's a couple of reasons for that. One is you're showing intention and respect of other people's time. You are, you will follow the right rule, if you will. So, because you never know the office you're going to, you don't know the people you're interviewing with. They may be quite punctual. They may want you there early and you'll be speaking to that already. So you're putting your best foot forward already. Also, it helps you prepare in your space. So when you're early, you can assess the situation. You feel more centered. You feel more confident. You feel more empowered because you are adjusted to the space. It's like any time. So if you're rushing, you know, when you rush to work in the morning, it's like one thing after another. It's like dominoes. It's like you're you're late doing this. Then you're getting on the bus or transport. Then you feel like you're you feel stressed because then you 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 feel around you more of the pressure around you because you're already late. And then you're running into get into the office and you already have 15 emails in front of you. So your mind everything is affected by that. So it's the same concept when you're getting to an interview or when you're getting to a meeting. Is if you get there early, you can prepare yourself better. And not only are you putting a good foot forward and people are like, oh, you're on time and punctual, but you're actually getting yourself prepared in the space. And so you feel better. So true. that's one thing. Yeah. Um, another thing you can do is you can make sure that you are organized. So organized is what you had mentioned previously in your previous question was, you know, doing the research. 
when you're doing research, make sure you research the company, research the culture of the company. So, you know, because the culture really can impact, especially certain industries very heavily, what yes. the climate is going to be in that office. Research the dress code. And then dress one level up. So whatever you're doing, because it's an interview. And so the interview, should you should be showing your best foot, but also showing the intention of you have made an effort that this matters to you, because that's what you're saying through your appearance. So you want to research and make sure you know how they dress. Look at the industry. So if you're working in tech, then it's probably a little bit less formal than it is, for example, if you're working on Wall Street or you're working in a business or you're working in finance, and then you still dress one, one level up. Um, another thing, if you want to come across, you know, professionally, you want to be organized, you want to have things collected, you don't want to seem like don't hold a lot of things in your hands, have things well put away, you know, if you have a, a, a attache case or a, a briefcase or a, a handbag or something, please, you know, have everything's well stored. And so that way you're prepared, you don't feel like you have to balance things. That's always really awkward whenever you're walking into a room and you have things in your hands and you don't know, don't know what to do with it. Again, dress neatly press your clothing. It does not have to be expensive. It does not have to be designer. It doesn't have to be any of those things, but it should be pressed clean, no holes, you know, well-kept. You should be well-groomed. So hair, well-brushed, you know, if you wear makeup, wonderful, make sure it's appropriate for what you're doing. So it should be subtle in that case, in most cases, unless you're in the arts, if you're in the arts and you're going for an interview, then you need to show that because that's part of your personality. And then you want to make sure that odors are a big thing. So odors run the gamut. They're, they mean many different things. They mean perfume, right? And, they, and where we live in Dubai, perfume is a very big deal. Oh, yes. It, but there's a time and place for all perfume. And with all cultural, cultural considerations respected, there is a time and place for certain perfumes because you never know. And again, that first impression. So if somebody is very sensitive perfume, has allergies, it makes them nauseous or ill, you never know. So it's mm -hmm. better to err on the side of caution and go with something very light or none at all even that day, because you never know. Because imagine you want to be, you want them to hear you, what you're saying, but they can't even listen to you because they're they're physically ill, which yeah. because they're because of the scent. So there's yeah. that. Also bodily odors in general, we should just be overly aware of that. Now it's difficult because sometimes we don't even, we're not aware, but just, you know, cleanliness, hygiene, things of this nature that really helps because again, it can put, some people are very sensitive. They're it sensitive. can turn off some people. Totally. Yes. It can, absolutely can. And that can negatively affect. So you could be the best candidate they've ever had. You could be so well prepared and so intelligent and leader in your field. But if what we're, what you're doing here is you're creating with your image and your presentation, this idea of fit. So you want the person to, to look at you and say, okay, this person is qualified because we are, most people that are coming in for this position will be qualified. You've made it this far. This is a hard skill, but the soft skill is what makes that feeling of fit between you and the person interviewing you. So it's like you want them to like you, you know, to see you in their team, to make sure that you put everything forward. And these little details can really affect whether or not people see that and you have that fit. So it's it's very important, those kind of things. Um, have questions. So please have questions prepared. Have questions prepared that you've practiced the response to. But then also questions to ask. Please have questions. Please don't if, say if they ask you, oh, you have any questions and you don't have any questions. That's saying something about both your preparation and your intent, because it's impossible not to have any questions, because unless that interview was all day long, there has got to be some area and they want to see that. So it's really it's really important. And when you are phrasing those questions, because it's, it's impossible since you were, we're not privy to all of the information that's going on in a company. So it's not so much the detail of the answer, but what you are touching upon. So if you know from your research that the company 
is really big on emotional intelligence or they're really big on staff you know, support or they're really big on AI or whatever it is that they're doing, make sure you gear your responses towards things that you can provide to them to support their mission, whatever it is, whatever their goal is. So if if there is, you know, we want a happy team for whatever, make sure you show that in your responses. If you, you want to be the leading, you know, AI technology in the next 10 years in this market, and you know that there are competitors doing the same thing, you can bring up the fact that you have experience in this and you have, this is your, you have a unique angle in doing that because that's what they're looking for. You know, so those kind of things, that's, that's part of your preparation. I think when you're going into as your image and also being prepared, being prepared is a huge part of the, of the interview and um, body language. So body language is huge. Body language is, depending on who you ask in the studies, it's about 75 to 90% of the way we communicate is nonverbal, which means our body language or our tone. So I mean, their tone is huge, but body language is so when you, and I unfortunately for those people listening today, I cannot show you so I can just describe. So when you have body language, make sure you have open and engaged body language, which means that you are making eye contact with a person I know that that is difficult for some cultures. You maybe have been raised where that's not acceptable to do. In international, multinational, or cosmopolitan environments like Dubai, for example, that is something that people are looking for because they've become used to it or this is part of the culture here. So when you're making eye contact, you wanna look generally in the vicinity of the face, try a couple couple seconds and then you can look elsewhere, but just make that eye contact. You want to do, you know, nod your head that you acknowledge and hear what they've said, you want to smile, your natural smile, because smiling helps us because it calms us down, but it also helps engage with the other person. You want to lean inward. Do not lean back or slouch. You want to lean inward because that shows you are, again, engaged. You're saying a lot with your body language. Don't fiddle with things in your hands. Don't be distracted. You know, don't, as, as women, for example, I'll speak as women with our hair, often I have long hair also. I'm like moving the hair behind my, don't, so do your hair in a way in which you do not have to touch the hair or anything of that nature. And yet you want to make sure that you are showing engagement. So nod your head. And then the last thing is active listening. So active listening is when you're listening to understand what's going on, not to respond. And this is tough in an interview because you have your responses. You know, you like, you know what you want to say. I want to respond this way. I already have my answer already. It's better every time you're asked a question, acknowledge the question. That's a really good question. Or I appreciate that. Or thank you for the question. Or I'm really happy you asked something of that nature. Or I'm very happy to talk about this. And then that allows two things. One, acknowledge the person. You're letting them lead by not just jumping on it and not just you know dictating how the conversation goes. And then you are moving forward in a way that gives your brain some time to think and collect and be calm in your response because you haven't just jumped into it. Also, another thing of active listening is you want to make sure that you, when somebody asks you a question, that if you understood it, so you reiterate the question back. So what I've understood you ask is this, just in case you don't understand. It's good to do that even if you have understood every so often because it shows you're listening and you're engaged and this is a conversation. It's going back and forth. It's not just they ask a question, you respond. They ask. It's like that's like a tennis match. You know what I mean? It should be a little bit more, I don't know. Uh, 360, you know, a little bit more engaging than that, than just back and forth, back and forth. So that's really important as well. Um, active listening is that whole body language I mentioned before, the leaning in, uh, asking questions, you know, paraphrasing if you don't understand, you know, acknowledging the person that's asking you, and then using that positive body language. So these are all really important steps. And this is a, this is for a good interview for your image and your presentation. These would be the tips. You know what, Taylor? In just a few minutes, you've given the key to success to anybody <laughs> seeking it. Thank you. Thank you very much. So those are the do's. Now let's look at the don'ts. Sure. What would be considered a poor presentation? So being late, 
So that's the first thing. So I, and again, mentioned before, I know it's cultural, but being late. So please do not be late for an interview or a presentation because it's not good for you because you can't prepare. You can't be centered in your place, but also it shows, it shows lack of intention and lack of respect. And in many cultures that can be, it can be very severe actually. And that already puts you behind and you yeah. know, it's to make a good first impression. It's actually, if you know how to do it, it's easy enough to do to, recover from a bad first impression is very difficult. So that is, that is why you want to always try to put your best foot forward. So don't be late, Uh, make an effort with your parents. So if you did not, you show up in a inappropriate outfit, meaning inappropriate for the industry that you're, that you're applying for. So if you didn't do that research and you're looking, maybe you thought everybody's going to be wearing polos and, and slacks, khakis or something like this. In actuality, everybody's wearing a suit and you show up like this, that would be poor for a disaster exactly that would not be putting your best foot forward especially if that's not really how you would dress imagine if you're transitioning from one industry to another industry and you're used to wearing suits all the time but then you're going to go into maybe a tech industry or like silicon valley kind of industry you're thinking okay well this is a different industry so this is what is known to be worn but i didn't do any research as to what how they would dress and for whatever reason they dress like your previous industry and you show up totally not appropriately dressed, not only will you feel that and that will affect your ability to put your best foot forward, your performance for in the interview, but it already will, that question of fit, people are like, I'm not sure about this person in the fit because they're, look at how they're, they're dressed right or they weren't prepared, right? So you want to do that, avoid that as well. Um, if overly makeup, so for, like, for example, there's time and place with your, with the perfume we mentioned before. So that would be another one. If you come in smelling very strongly of a very strong perfume, but also the makeup. So there's a time and place for certain makeup. When you go out with your friends or out with your partner in the evening, you know, it's, it's night, there's night and day makeup. So if you come fully made up for an interview during a daytime, I really, unless you're working in that industry, makeup industry, or you're in arts or something like this, it's probably not the best fit. So something of that nature, if the clothing you are wearing is disheveled, spilled stains, things of that nature on it. Uh, if you come in with a lot of things in your hands, or you seem disorganized, or you seem stressed or nervous or disheveled in any way, shape or form, physically or seem mentally that way. This is something to avoid as well. And then negative body language. So negative body language is, I mean, this is when you see someone, like for example, you've seen someone, you know, in a crowd and you've been introduced to them and you saw them from far away and you're like, I just don't care for that person, you know, and you're trying to fight the judgment because we always try to fight that judgment, but there's just something about it. And it's usually the body language because there's something about the body language that just does not resonate with you. So negative body language where you have your arms crossed in front of you, where you're leaning back, where you're looking down, not making eye contact, you're not smiling, you're not acknowledging what the person's saying by nodding your head or leaning forward or anything. This would be things to, to avoid if you if you want to make a bad first impression, these are all the things to do, I guess. So if you want to make a good first impression, make sure you don't do any of the things I just said. Awesome. And just to point out, uh, even if you're the most deserving candidate or super prepared, super talented, when you present yourself poorly, you might just lose no matter uh, how talented or how prepared or how most, how deserving you are, right? It can have that big an impact, right? Of course. So, Honestly, I, I, mean, I, I can t- tell a story of, of a client of mine that went in for an interview somewhere. And the interview was actually over breakfast. It was a breakfast kind of interview. It's one of those interviews that comes across like a chat, you know, let's have a chat kind yeah. of thing, but it's yeah. actually an interview. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's where you've been referred usually through a network and they, they're making that decision. They just want to feel you out. And then later they'll ask you for a proposal or whatever else they're doing. So they went in for this interview for it. And some of the behavior that they displayed during this 
this uh, breakfast meeting wasn't exactly as it should have been. Um, both, I mean, the table manners were one part of it, but besides that was just the questions that were asked and the interaction and this body language and a lot of these other things and actually some some table manners concerns. And that's actually why they ended up coming to me afterwards. And so when when they went through this, they realized that it was just a fit. And that was what they were told. I'm sorry, it's just I just don't think it's going to be a fit. But this person was very qualified with all of the credentials, all of the experience with the past clients. They were highly referred, but it's that feeling of fit. So if, if you go into an interview and you are the top candidate, in, logically speaking, if, they, if you're putting the worst of you forward first, they'll never get to the rest of it because you already have kind of, it's like a wall. Literally imagine a wall that they've built up and then you, they can't see past that wall, even though it's, it's like treasure behind it. They cannot see it and they won't be able to see it because they have been blocked by all these feelings of there's just something not right here. The behavior isn't right. The look isn't right. The intention isn't right because you're saying so many things with your body language, with the way that you dress and the way that you present yourself. You're saying that. So it's not that, that the, knowledge, experience, the research is not important. It is very important, but you want them to see it Yeah, and they won't see it yeah. if you don't get there. Yes. <laughs> you won't get there if you don't present yourself well first. I think oftentimes these soft skills don't get dismissed, but they get kind of overlooked because we think that we all do them and we do to a certain degree, but this is where, you know, a little bit of self-awareness and development to know which areas we need to improve upon or when and where this is time and place. Time and place is something I talk about all the time. When do you behave a certain way? Like when do you decide to focus and really bring that forward? How in interviews and presentations is definitely a time and place where at this time you want to make sure you're putting extra effort in all these things because you want to get past the next. I do a lot of coaching with um, online video, like for interviews and for applications for, you know, working in different countries and things like that. They actually usually ask for a video. So I prep a lot of people on what to do in these videos. And I always start with, okay, I know that the content you're well qualified. They've asked you to apply. This is this clearly you are a good candidate for them. But the most important part of this, the two parts is how you present yourself because otherwise you could be saying like the most genius things but they won't hear it if everything else is not supporting that. So if there's a disconnect, like because your behavior is unprofessional or because there's something distracting or yeah. whatever, then they, they won't even hear it. So in order to make sure you're heard and you're seen for how what a great candidate you are and who you are, make sure that that image is supporting it. It's that's congruent, you know, yeah. it's working together. Yeah. Otherwise, their decision is already made and probably it's not in your favor. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I wish I could explain to the listeners how gracefully you're sitting there with the beautiful poison posture, epitome of etiquettes right there. Thank you. Are these skills something that people are born with or one can learn? Thank you for this question. So these are definitely skills you can learn. So etiquette and presenting, effective communications, all these things are their skills, these soft skills. And they're like any skill that we learn. It's just awareness that we need are in need of them and not need of them because they don't exist at all. They're just something we need to bring out in ourselves. Now, do some people have more inclination or tendency towards? Yeah, absolutely. Like all of us do. So we, and I like to always equate this to like very basic skills we all have, like maths, for example, some people are more inclined to maths. Some people are more inclined to, you know, the sciences or to literature, or they're more inclined to the arts, for example, very creative. It's, it's not that, one's better or worse. It's just they're inclined. So some of us are more inclined to sensitivity or awareness to 
our body language or to the way that we impact others or we're more observant. So we notice it's, in, it's not, it's not a conscious choice. Usually, usually it's just, for example, I like attention to detail. So if you ever hear anybody like, I like attention to detail, I like being observant. I like watching, you know, some people are like, I have no idea. I don't have time for that. And it's not, it's not on my radar. So it's just your natural inclination. So that that's just something that comes naturally to certain exactly. people. But it doesn't mm. mean that you don't have it also. It just means it's not that's not in the forefront. Maybe for you it's something else. Like it's one of those other skills. And just not before. dominant. Not dominant, exactly. Yeah. But you do have it within you. And even if it's very small, you can develop it like any other skill. So these are soft skills. But it's just the first part is the awareness. So you have to bring to awareness this is something that you would like to invest in. So all skills are an investment. Yes. And I'll and I'm my page and in my consultancy, we do not, we believe in being genuine. So you should be the best version of yourself. And so when we're emp empowering people through their soft skills to be the best version of you, it is about being you. So mm. not being somebody else, certainly not being me because I myself, I want people to be the best version of them. So it's just realizing that in order to be that best version, I would like to focus on this. So we don't fake it till we make it because I really don't care for that expression whatsoever. I don't want to fake anything because disingenuous behavior, disingenuous behavior is very clear. And the observer can probably read it if you're faking immediately, it. Immediately. So better it's you want to adapt to something until it becomes a habit. So you so realize true. that you, you realize you do not have this as strong of a skill. And so you want to develop it. That's the awareness. So you're going to adapt to it by making it a focus and deciding, okay, I'm going to commit every day to improving this area. My biggest advice is little at a time, small steps, small steps for the adoption of a skill. It's small steps after another, after another, and then it's continual commitment to it and then be consistent. These are the three ways. And eventually it becomes habit. And therefore, and then you're not even consciously thinking it, then you have this skill then it is to the forefront. You have moved it. If you think, you know, different blocks in our brain, you've now moved it to the forefront because you decide it's of value and it's something you want to work on. And then therefore it is important. So yes, you can definitely build these skills. And the best way to do it is to be systematic in your approach. So you need to be like, I want to improve this and I'm going to do it. This is my focus. So for example, if it's making eye contact, as I mentioned before, then you just slowly, every day you commit, it's going to be awkward. This growth process and this is not easy. Anytime and my person, I just had a conversation this morning in a meeting I was in that moment where you feel uncomfortable, embrace that moment. Cause that's the moment of growth. That is exactly where you're growing it is growth is not comfortable. It is that's never so quotable. I'm going to oh, quote that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Lean into that moment, lean into that moment because it is not the fact that it's not comfortable is it's not supposed to be comfortable because that means you're challenging yourself. And once you've challenged yourself, yes, you've adopted the skill, but not only that you have the confidence that you've been able to do it. And once you have the confidence to be able to do it, then you're unstoppable because you can do it in so many different ways. So lean into that moment of where it's uncomfortable and then choose the growth by choosing and how you grow, choose the growth is you recommit every day to developing this still over and over and over again. And once the skill is adopted because you've been consistent about doing it, then it's a habit and then you have it. So anyone can do this, anyone. And it's, I think also I, another, this is not my quote, I believe it's, um, Eleanor uh, Roosevelt, I believe, quote is that um, thief. Uh, the comparison is the thief of all joy. So don't compare yourself to somebody else. We're all on our different journey with this. It may look a certain way on the outside, but you don't know how long ago they started on this journey. Or maybe those skills are up front, but then the skills that you have, theirs are behind. They need to bring those forward. You don't know where in the organization of their brain these skills are. So we're all on different journeys. So I think sometimes, especially with etiquette, when we're talking about etiquette, people think it's not for them, it's not relevant for their life, et cetera. But all of these skills, 
if you commit to them and building them, no matter what you're doing, no matter personal, professional, no matter what your profession is, even if you think, I know I work in a very simple profession, I don't need these, no, it doesn't matter. This will Im positively impact your life and your growth. And you'll see it because it's little steps. And then all of a sudden it makes a huge impact because like, I mean, anything in life, our life is filled with small changes, small choices. And those are really what makes the large choices and the big, and the big changes, you know? So it's like that. So this is for anyone really. And we're all in different parts of this journey. So let's not judge ourselves too hard in comparison to others, because that really, that stops our growth. That really stops totally agree. Just to simplify it further. And I want to um, enhance or emphasize on something that you just said. For example, if I am coming to you to learn about certain soft skill that I may not have, or I feel that I need to learn that, yes. it's me who needs to be aware that, that that I need to learn that. And even though you're going to guide me and tell me how I can learn it, I'll have to put in a lot of efforts. Yes. And that growth may or may not sound that comfortable for me. Because yes. like you mentioned, for example, when I have to learn about eye contact, it may feel awkward at once. Yes. So I have to be open that it's not going to be an easy process, maybe. Mm -hmm. And even though you're there to guide me, it's me who has to put in the effort to learn. Yes. Yeah? Yes. I guess like any adoption of a skill. Yeah. It, it, first, it's the value. So what is the value of this? But if, if you've come to me and you realize this is something you need to work on, you realize that there is value in it. But then, yes, knowing that any growth. So for any coach that you're working with in whatever it is, it could be a business coach. It could be a physical edge, physical coach. Like where you go for, you know, fitness, trainer, workout, maybe, fitness yeah. trainer, exactly. Yeah. You know that there's going to be some part of that. That's not going to feel great physically. Yeah. It's really not going to feel great in that case. It's the same thing here. There may be moments where you feel like this is uncomfortable for me. It could be the eye contact, for example, this, or it could be frustrating a little bit because you're like, but I, I thought I was already doing that. You, then you see, when I work with clients, we do a lot of video recording, which is very uncomfortable for many people. We do a lot of, you know, assessment of body language positioning. So like you think that your body language is engaging, but there's some things that you're doing that is repelling. Exactly. Total mm. opposite, but you were not aware. Mm. So yes, the mindset needs to be open towards awareness and growth mm. and commitment to making these changes and being comfortable in that uncomfortable space because it is a little bit uncomfortable. Now, this is not uncomfortable like if you've, you know, the, actually the physical fitness one, if you're working with a coach physically, that's quite uncomfortable. It can be quite painful, especially I mean, when you start yoga. I remember when I restarted yoga after a while, it was like, I didn't know I had those muscles in my body. Now I can feel every muscle. It's not so much this way, but there is a, it is a learning. And then, but it, like with any learning you start, it's a little slow at first, it's challenging. And then it becomes easier. It becomes easier. And this whole, every skill that we teach now, I teach etiquette, I do effective communications, which is how to make sure that what you're saying is what you intend and how you are, you're heard correctly in conflict, but also just in general communications or feedback, et cetera. And then the behavioral things, but I'm talking about body language and how to conduct yourself. And those are all under personal branding, which is my main focus of my consultancy is how to make sure you have a really strong professional. If you're in the professional, if you're in a professional realm, but if not also personal brand, you know, how you're putting yourself forward, because then you use those skills for anything interviews, for example, or for just in your everyday meetings yeah. yeah exactly as elaborate and educative as that was i have a very important question on mind are other qualities or talents not relevant other than how one presents themselves then okay this is a great question thank you so much so yes presenting yourself is very important uh as we mentioned earlier other skills would be 
doing the research and you know, having the hard skills. Hard skills are very important. I don't, and as a soft skill expert, obviously I'm going to pitch and push the soft skills, but they are important. You, I mean, having those, developing those skills, you know, doing trainings or certifications or edu- going for formal education in these things, it is important as well for your industry. Yes. But there's also other things which are related to how you present yourself like tact, for example. Tact is a huge element. This is another soft skill, if you will. It, this also carries over into every aspect of our life, but having tact. And tact is deciding when and how and if to bring up something or to say something or maybe not to say something or to offer your opinion or not to offer your opinion. How you how you offer the opinion, thinking about that through before you actually say it. This is, you know, people say, at least in America, we say, you know, you don't want to put your foot in your mouth, which yeah. is that it came out way too, and you just now, yeah. you've just embarrassed yourself. Yeah. That's part of having tact is that you know when to say something or not or when to hold it. You catch yourself before that's going to happen. So you have you have tact and sensitivity to that. So sensitivity and tact are, are huge qualities as well, besides the way that you present yourself in an interview. It's good because you'll know, for example, maybe the company you're interviewing with, they have they are going through a lawsuit or something in the, something bad. It's something negative. And you can find it everywhere. Now clearly they know they're going through it. You as somebody that's interviewing, that would not be something to bring up. Yeah. Yeah. Now you could around the topic of, you know, for example, because maybe they have a patent technology and you're an expert in this, and maybe they're going to need to repatent or something else because of this lawsuit, you can bring up that you have certain skills with patenting and that you are, you know, very well versed in this and not say, because I know you may need this because you're in this lawsuit. See, that's the no tact part. So this is, that's where the tact comes in. So that's very important besides just how you present yourself. Um, the active listening, which I mentioned before, active listening is a huge skill Active in our personal lives also, because then you really understand what's being asked of you. Most miscommunication happens because we just didn't understand because we weren't listening to what was being said to us because our days are crazy. We're, we're packed. We don't have a lot of time. We are, we're already thinking we have the response and we already have the response we want, even though they haven't given it to us yet. And there's so much learning and actually listening to what somebody says. Because then you can either you realize there's been a miscommunication or you, you've learned something. Either you've learned something about the other person, about the situation, or about yourself. And it could be, wow, I really was not listening. Or it could be, I was going way in a different direction with this and now I understand, so let me correct, which can fix a lot of problems, even, even without the other person involved. Because you've now understood yourself and the situation and the other person better. Um, being observant is a huge thing. So being observant, and I think... Like being okay with silence is really important as I've been talking now for this entire time, but silence is really important. Knowing when to use silence and just listen and actively listening, but just be, just being quiet and being okay in the silence is a huge skill in an interview as well, because you don't, you want the interviewer to lead that they are leading the conversation. Yes. It's not you. And you, even though you want to show, maybe you have so many skills and so many things you want to say, and you want to say everything because this is the biggest opportunity you've ever had to do it. You want them to lead. They want them to be in charge of it because they are. So you don't want to behave. So that's where silence comes in because you allow them to finish their conversation as a coach, because I am, I'm an etiquette coach and soft skills coach and personal branding, but I also am a life coach. So in life coaching, it's very important to allow for silence because usually you ask, if you ask a question of your client, when they respond, usually they respond. And then there's a, pause because there's reflection and then there's a follow-up and usually that follow-up gives you the direction to help them because when as a life coach you're empowering people to be the bet to empower them to find their own 
solution. You're not the solution. You you're like, um, not even a guide, you're a partner in helping them. You're just helping so, them discover exactly, whatever it is. Exactly. So yeah. therefore that silence is incredibly important. And then flip to that is being a good conversationalist. This is a huge skill. So conversation in even in an interview, because again, you're trying to build connection between the other person. You're trying to create a sense of fit. If you walk in and you're, and you are silent in that first part, not, not waiting for them to ask you the questions and things like that, but just silent, it's not particularly engaging. Um, you have an opportunity to connect with another human being because, and you don't know what commonality you'll find between that person. So if you have small talk and people hate small talk, which I get, I love it personally, but don't, people don't like small talk because it's uncomfortable because you're afraid you're going to get judged or there may be silence and nobody responds, or you don't know what to say, or maybe you'll offend someone. I mean, there's a lot of different things. So learning how to be a conversationalist, which is, you know, knowing how to get people to talk about themselves, things they like or things they feel passionate about, because then that will carry the whole conversation and you will seem so engaged and engaging and likable. And that's a huge part of this interview process. Even if it's only five minutes of that first interview, if you're like, oh, how are you? I hope you're doing well. Isn't it, you know, this is such a lovely space, et cetera, like that. And then you can try to continue the conversation just so that that's there. And you're creating that bond and that connection with the person and contributing to them thinking, oh, I like this person versus that was a little stale or the person was really silent. I don't know about fit. Maybe they're, maybe they're a little bit too introverted or maybe they're too quiet or too shy, even though you may not be, but it's an interview. So you're stressed, you know, so it's not maybe always your best you. So learn to be a good conversationalist, learn to be not extrovert if you're not extrovert, but just learn to be, you know, able to hold a conversation with someone so that they get that feeling of, I, I get this person. I like this person. Yeah. That's important. Yeah. You know when to p accelerate and when to put the brakes. Exactly. You need to know how and to do yeah, that. Exactly. Yeah, and that's yeah. the conversation and the tact also. Yeah. That's where yeah. the tact comes back to. Tact is a huge... If I could say one thing that is one of the hardest things to coach and one of the most rewarding things to coach is tact. Because tact it is connected to every single topic that we've talked about today. It, it is part of it and it is part of really business. It's a huge part of business. I mean, totally agree. a huge part. And it's, it's just knowing the sensitivity and how to approach things or especially when not to say things. That's the biggest thing. It's like when not to say anything and when to hold back because we realize it often in retrospect where I shouldn't have said that, or I'm glad I didn't say that because look, it turned out fine or better or resolved itself. And if I had said something, then there may have been more of a conflict or more of an issue, but it's knowing tact is huge, <laughs> really huge. Totally agree. Thank you so much for those gracious tips that can notch up the presentation game so much for so many people. Simple steps to take the bar so high. Beautifully expressed. Thank you so much. It's an um, interview process is always a little bit stressful, you know, for everyone. It's wonderful because it's a great opportunity. It's a great opportunity to put your best foot forward. So I hope that this conversation today has offered some tips on how to put that best foot forward so that they're able to see the, you know, the strength of you as a candidate or the strength of you as a presenter, or if you are doing a sales pitch or whatever it is that you are doing, they're able to see that because you have been able to put that best foot forward, you know, by being organized, by being on time, by presenting yourself image and aesthetically in the right way by not wearing too much perfume, for example, or cologne or something like that, really being present and then engaging, making sure your body language supports that. Because if you are supporting all the, everything they're reading and they're looking at your CV and they're looking at your cover letter and they're looking at all your te testimonials or people referring you and everything, if, if the person that's sitting in front of you is supporting that, it will be an easy, it will be an easy choice for them because you will be the candidate. So 
make sure that you master that uh, pre presenting yourself and you master putting your best set for best foot forward. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. You have been listening to our quest. Thank you for your time again. If you haven't already, please give us a quick rating on Apple podcast. And don't forget, you can follow us on Instagram or share your screenshot of the podcast and tag us links in description. See you next week. Same time, same place.